Hi, I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome the rebel queen, Sophia LePage. Sophia is a feminine embodiment coach, and she helps women to really release that lifestyle of the hustle and to prevent and end burnout. On this episode, we get into a lot of detail about what these words really mean, embodiment and burnout. She also helps women to really reclaim their pleasure in their bodies and to engage more in sacred sex and Tantra and to really tap into that very powerful feminine energy. We have a really wonderful and fun conversation that flows so beautifully from one topic to the next, which really has a connecting thread that the idea that when we truly heal and accept ourselves and integrate ourselves and become embodied, we're truly able to enjoy and embrace ourselves and life and then really experience that true magic of pleasure and desire and sensuality. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hello, Sophia. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hi. Oh my God. I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait for us to dive in. I know. We're going to have so much fun. Because we already explored some of the topics we want to get into when we chatted a few weeks ago. And mm-hmm. it's some good stuff. It really is. <laughs> You're in for a treat, everyone who's listening. Yes, yes. <laughs> get ready. Get ready. And if you can, I don't know. I feel like this is a good episode to listen to if you have some space, maybe some privacy, maybe a mirror, whether a man or a woman, whoever you are, because a lot of what we're going to talk about is sensuality, sexuality, sacred sex feminine embodiment. And a lot of that is based in movement, getting to know our bodies, getting in touch with our bodies, which Sophia is so much a part of your work. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I think for women, like actually my, I was on the phone with my friend yesterday and he was like, what is embodiment? <laughs> he was like, I don't, I don't really, I hear this word thrown around, but what really is it? And I just love that question. And I think that, that this is like such a great thing to bring in straight away of like what embodiment is and what um, the feminine is, because I feel like so much of what we've grown up with and what society tells of us of what feminine is, is around what it looks like, you know, like feminine is long hair, feminine is flowy dresses. Um, pleasure is what, what pleases a man, you know, like how, like what, how we perform sexual sexually is about like, what's going to turn him on, what's going to have him or, or whoever our partner is feel like we're good in bed. So there's so much of like women's idea around feminine as what it looks like. And it's such a mental construct, whereas embodiment is about like, forget what it looks like. What does it feel like? Um, and like, what is that experience internally, you know, like, what does it feel? What do your emotions feel like? What does pleasure feel like inside your body when you move what feels good rather than what looks good? So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it is such an important question and an important concept. I know that, uh, when I've worked with clients, so I'm a mental health therapist and I would often ask them, well, what are you feeling? And they 
would say, uh, well, what does that mean? You know, because when you think about it, a feeling is kind of hard to describe, right? It's because I would tell them, I'd say like, well, it's something that it's not your mind. It's not what you're hearing in your head. It's not what you're feeling physically, but there's, we all know there's something there, you know, Mm. emotions, feelings, they're hard to describe, but they are a sensation. And just what you're describing is that that's what we're really wanting to tap into is not just the distractions around us in our head and the physical world, but what's actually going on inside our body that wants to be heard so badly, that wants to be expressed so badly. To me, that's a lot of embodiment is actually connecting with what we really are, our real essence, rather than kind of getting caught up with just as you described, a typical description of the feminine or sensuality is usually everything, you know, oh, it's, it's, you know, this, it's that it's, you know, seductive things. And, but that's not a feeling. That's not our essence. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's about, it's about really about presence because when we're in the mind, I'm sure you've experienced this, right? So much with your clients, it's like the mind isn't here. It's like in the past or it's in the future. It's like, it's yes. regretting stuff from the past, wishing things were different or or longing for something to be repeated from the past if it, if it was a good experience or it's like in the future, either worrying about what might happen or, you know, looking forward to something that might happen. It's But it's not here. It's not in the now. And yeah. our, we live in our society and our culture so much in the past and the future and very little in the in the actual moment and like in the now is where sensuality is in the now is where feminine is in the now is where emotion is in the now is where your body is so it's like I think it's like that coming back to the body at, at like reintegrating and bringing back those fragments into wholeness is so much about like what's happening right now, not what happened yesterday or what might happen tomorrow. Yeah. Yet there's something that we're all a little bit afraid of about the now. There's something more, I think because it feels like you can grab on to the future of the past, you can ruminate over the past, right? You can go over and over and it feels like it can occupy that little mind that wants to be racing around all the time. The future, you can worry your head off about that for the rest of your life, 10 minutes from now, 10 days, 10 years from now. But in the present, you have to just be and look at, Mm -hmm. oh, what is this? What is this feeling? What's this sensation? And that I think we're not really taught to do most of the messaging we get from a very young age is to think about the future, worry about the future and reflect on the past in usually not a great way. Usually like, well, what's, you know, what went wrong? What, you know, what wasn't great, but just being in the moment is just accepting things just as they are and enjoying Mm -hmm. them. And also we don't put a lot of emphasis on enjoyment, unfortunately in our culture. It's a lot of like, because also a big topic of yours, Sophia is burnout right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the hustle culture. And that's all, there's no time to enjoy yourself and be in the moment because you've got to be going, you got to be constantly producing and, you know, profiting and building and all of this all the time, looking forward to just be in the moment. Where's the, where's the payoff? What's the ROI for that? But the reality is that there's a huge return in that investment because you get to be embodied. And what I love about your story Sophia, is that a lot of it is about realizing that our greatest joy and, you know, fulfillment in life and savoring life 
comes from moving into that space of now, mm. of embodiment, of sensuality, and really being with it and not kind of chasing something all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I feel like, you know, when I reflect back on all the years that I spent like hustling, which started from, I, I often say I came out of the womb hustling. Like I don't remember a time <laughs> when I was not hustling, like even three, four years old, like it was so ingrained in me. Um, I'm not sure if it was just a generational thing or if it was a past life thing, but it was right. there from like day dot. Um, and there, it was later on in my life, like it, it was the way I, I did everything. It was, uh, we know how we talk about sometimes like the carrot and the stick, like either you're motivated by the carrot, which is like the future, the future reward, or you're motivated by the stick, like the, the, you're running away. So you're either running towards or running away. And I think a lot of my life in that hustle, I was running away. I was running away from like failure. I was running away from like, what happens if I'm not perfect? I was running away from like the fear of messing up and that like pushed me and pushed me and pushed me to like strive and strive and strive to the point where in my 30s i was like totally burnt out i was in a marriage that i i like I, it was like one day i i was just like who am i who's and whose life is this cuz this doesn't I'm not something is not right here and i think because i was always on the go, right? I wasn't in the now, I wasn't present. I was always running, 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 running. I just had run so far off path and never even realized it. Like I just, and and it was like, all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, am I even happy? Like, is this really what it's all about? Like, who are, who is this person that I'm being? Like, whose life is this? Whose beliefs are these? Like, who's, whose language is this? Whose outfit is this? Like, literally every single thing that was part of my identity was formed by what I thought I needed to be in order to be accepted, loved, and valuable. And at, like, 30 and I was in having an affair, blowing up my marriage, like destroying this kind of like life and identity that I'd built that I just felt so small inside of. Like at that point, it was like, wait a second, it's time for me to, to really look at what, what's actually, what I'm actually creating and do I really want to create this? So the next several years of that journey for me was about learning how to be present, learning how to feel, learning how to um, like even just ask myself, getting curious about like what I actually liked, what I wanted, what was pleasure for me, what what was my value outside of um, what I could give or um, what I could achieve. And that was the journey that led me to the feminine embodiment work um, was really that journey of like hustle and burnout to to complete identity meltdown, basically. <laughs> and then rebuilding partly due to feminine embodiment work and a bunch of other stuff that I did as well. Yeah. And so often that's what it takes is like this complete meltdown and dissolution of everything that we thought we wanted. Because I would imagine, I mean, for you, when you were 
in that phase of, you know, it sounds like it was through your twenties, were you working in a career that you thought was like what you wanted, where, you know, was there success? You got married. So those sounds like, it sounds like kind of checking all the boxes and it sounds like maybe everything looked real good on, you know, the outside, but something inside was like, Oh, what, like you said, is this, is this who I am? Like, is this what I really believe? So what, what did that look like for you in those years? Like, what were you pursuing? And and when did it kind of like, what was kind of the first sign that, Oh, this isn't really for me. Yeah. So it was always about checking the boxes. So I would achieve something like it's in school. Like I was like, I got to be the top of the class. And when I get to this milestone, then I will feel valid. Then I will feel confident. Then I will feel empowered. Then I will feel whatever, satisfied. And then I get to that milestone. I'd be like, wait, it would feel good for a moment. And then I'd be like, oh, I still feel like kind of empty inside. Like I still feel insecure. I still feel like, mm, like it's not, not quite hitting it. So then I'd be like, oh, well, it must be some other thing that I need. So I go after then. So then I was like, oh, when I get married, then I'll feel secure. Then I'll feel blah, blah, blah. And then I got married. That felt good for a moment. And then I'm like, wait, I still feel this. I'm like, when I buy a house, then I'll... So it was just always like, oh, when I have this job or when... So it was always like that chasing of the next outside goal that I thought was going to bring me to that feeling of inner fulfillment. And at the time of... After after my affair, after my divorce... And in fact, it was still a few years after that of like swirling around in the mess before I actually started to to really get a grip on anything. Um, but that was when at some point I had to realize, wait, there, what else is there to get? Like it need, it's not, yeah. it's not out there. It's in here. And this is like, as in inside me, this is the relationship that needs developing, not all this external stuff. It's like, what, you know, where, can, how can I learn to source this from within? That was like the real turning point for me was when I realized that it, it was my inner relationship with me that was what really needed to be anchored. And, and that was the connection I needed. And now that I have that connection, I feel like I still want, you know, lots of things and I still have goals and I still, I, expansion is one of my biggest values and I want that, you know, I, I want to continue to grow and expand and learn and evolve and do new things and push my edges. But I have always like an inner sort of like current of satisfaction and fulfillment. So it's not, it's not like this chasing, always hungry, never satisfied. It's like that satisfaction is there. And then it's like, oh, but what else could be fun to play with on top of this? Yeah. Yeah. So the icing on top. Mm-hmm. You know, the the cherry. That, yeah. The cherry where it's no longer <laughs> seeking out, okay, this'll fix it. This'll fix it. It's just like, Ooh, this'll be fun. You know, mm-hmm. this'll be a nice little addition to what I'm already experiencing. And that, I mean, that's a big change in life, you know, in, in the way you experience life, because, you know, the way you describe it, it sounds a lot like when we get caught up in an addiction, you know, where it's like, Ooh, I love this thing, but do you really love it? And is it really serving you if you need it to feel a certain way? But when you like something just because you can enjoy it and just again, have it as, you know, that cherry on top, 
it's very different, right? It's not, you're not using it for a resolution, for a solution to something. You're just engaging with it because you take joy in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why I think it's so important, you know, pe- people who are doing work like you are and people, when we speak about this, because that, if we all kind of move more in that direction, it would completely change the way we live our lives, right? Yeah. Because yeah, right yeah. now, you know, we are such a consumer society and we're, we're a society that are very caught up in addiction because of that exact reason. We don't really know how to actually have things that are sustenance to us, that feed our soul, that feed our essence, that feed our even our bodies. We're very used to things that just kind of, you know, give a quick fix and then we have to chase after more. So then we're constantly chasing things outside. But when we're embodied, when we're integrated, we have our core more in place, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this knowing that I don't actually need anything. It was it was right here all the time. Now I'm more attuned with it. To me, that's my idea of alignment and integration and embodiment all in one. It's yeah. about the acknowledgement that once we kind of integrate the parts of ourselves that maybe we thought we couldn't accept, the things that happened to us that we thought we had to push away, when we're like, you know what? Actually, it can all be here because it's all a part of me. It was all part of my beautiful painting my beautiful mosaic of my life and then once that's integrated to me that's kind of integration and embodiment where your light really starts to shine and you start having more fun and joy and satisfaction in life and then like you said everything else is just awesome and 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 wonderful thing to appreciate rather than something you need you know because and I, i always say that it's important to you know we don't want to knock things like getting your dream home or marrying some of the love or having, you know, success in your work. Those are fabulous. They're, they're not inherently bad things. The only concern is when we think that they will be the solution to everything, that they'll make us whole and embodied. But it's that empty feeling you described, Sophia, when you, you know, in your twenties to 30, I think that's the majority rather than those who feel connected and fulfilled. Yeah. And I think that, that I love how you, how you refer to like what it is to be embodied, right? In the body to be anchored, to be centered. And that is like the, one of the things that I think is really powerful about feminine embodiment or any kind of embodiment is that when you have, when you have that experience of what it means to be grounded and anchored in yourself, what it means to be centered in within yourself, you know, when you're starting to sway outside of it, like when I was in that, when I was in the affair, it was like, I was just this leaf blowing in the wind. Like I felt, I didn't feel like I had any control over my life, my desires, what I want. It was like, it was like life was happening to me. And I didn't know how far from my center I was because I'd never had an experience of being in my center. Whereas now I know what that feels like. I know if I'm outside of it, I know where the boundary is. So if I start to, because you know, we're none of us have perfect. Well, I'm not anyway. Um, (laughs) But you know, if I start to get as, as it can happen, right. Sometimes it's like, you see this shiny thing and you're like, Oh, I want that thing. If I just had that blah, blah. And then I'm like, Oh, I, I can tell. I'm like, Oh, I I know this voice. I know this feeling. I know this is me 
moving outside of myself and it's so much easier to bring myself back because I know when I'm in my center and I know when I'm out of my center. And if you know those two things, it's much easier to navigate that gap and come back to, whoops, come back to center, come back to your path. So I feel like that's also like one of the most empowering things about embodiment and why I believe it has not suited the powers that be for us to be embodied because we're much easier to control if we're out of our center, which is out of our power. Yes. Easier to control and easier to profit off of. Because Mm -hmm. when we're not in our center, because just as you were describing that, I was thinking, gosh, what a wonderful state of being when you feel distanced or disconnected from your center. You can say, oh, okay, I know this. Because what most people feel is panic. Oh my gosh, I feel weird. I feel lonely. I feel scared. I feel needy or whatever it is. And we, we freak out and we say, oh my gosh, I'm a mess. I need something to fix this. I need to. And then we scramble and look again for things outside. And that's where people, you know, profit off of us is because then we go out and buy all the things and try all the different stuff to try and reconnect. And then we just lose it again. But when you become that sovereign being that's able to know yourself so well, which I think is, you know, very feminine. When I think of the feminine energy, that's what it is. It's the attuned, aligned energy. You know, it's that core where the masculine is sort of like the the exciting, like production and, and things that can come from once you're aligned. The divine masculine to me is the beautiful outgrowth, right? Things that can blossom and grow and what can we come to fruition. But the feminine is that which, you know, always keeps, is at the core, is at our roots, you know? And so the more that we can really encourage that it's possible to be your own enabler of centering, grounding, embodiment, you know, people are going to be less and less dependent on other things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also like learning that feeling emotions. Like I I remember when I first started connecting with my emotions because I, I, for a long time in my life, I didn't really feel anything much. Like I, I, I didn't feel a lot of pleasure, but I also didn't feel like angry or sad. I just was kind of numb. And I thought that I was just like a chill person, you know, I'm like, that's ah, fine. I just go with the flow. Like nothing bothers me. And then every now and then I'd have this huge, like volcanic eruption that would come from nowhere and <laughs> be like, Whoa, what happened there? Yeah. Um, but I remember when I started feeling and it was just so much and it, it was scary at first like to feel. I was like, oh, what am I going to do with all of this feeling? And like, what about if I'm just like taken over by it and I can't move past it? But then the more that you start to feel and recognize that it's just that energy, right? Energy, emotion is emotion. It's just the more you allow yourself to feel it, the more it 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 sort of you, the less you hold it, the more it just moves through, the less untamable it becomes. And that is also like part of the, part of like moving into that space of power of like, Hey, it's, I can, I can feel many things and still be powerful and still create what I want to create. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
So, yeah. Sophia, that's just, it's so wonderful that you're, you can speak to this now and you can speak from someone who's actually able to practice this and experience this because so many of us would like to, but we don't know how. So mm-hmm. to take, again, to take us kind of back when you were back in your twenties, um, when you hit that burnout point, you said it kind of like just stewed around, like, you know, kind of hitting bottom for a while, bumping along the bottom. What was the first step that you took towards this? And it sounds like travel was a big part of your story. Cause I know you grew up in Australia or is yeah. That right? yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. What part of Australia? Uh, I'm from Melbourne, which is down the bottom of Australia. Yeah. And so yeah. you were, were you there through like your twenties? Is that where you were? So, uh, I, yeah, I really moved around quite a bit. So in my twenties, yeah, I was living in Australia. My ex-husband and I met in Australia and we got married there and around, um, the age of 29, we actually left, we went and lived in London. And when I look back on that, like part of the reason why I wanted to move, I think part of it was, he was like, great, we're married. We have a house. Let's have babies. And I'm like, let's move to London. (laughs) Let's uproot our whole lives and go somewhere else so that I don't have to face that. I don't maybe want to have children. So that was part of it. And then the other part was also that I'd always wanted to, um, to go there. My mum's English, uh, always wanted to go there. And, um, and I lived a lot of my life also with this I'm too old to do things. So when I was eight, I wanted to learn to surf and we'd moved actually from Melbourne to the country and all the other kids have been surfing since they were four. So I was like, I'm too old to learn to surf. And then every summer after that, I would go, okay, I'm going to learn to surf. Oh, last year I thought I was too old. That's so silly. If only I'd learned then, then I would be able to do it now. And I just, that's how it continued on. I never learned to surf. And I did that a lot in my life. I was like, I'm too old for this or it's too late for blah, blah, blah. And when I got to 29, I was like, I need to stop saying I'm too old or it's too late because otherwise I'm going to be look back, going to be 95 and like, oh, I never did anything in my life because I thought I was too old when I was like 20. So um, so that was also impetus to, to move to London. Um, and then... When after my um, like burnout, which happened in my late twenties, I didn't even realize it. I didn't realize for years that I was burnt out. I just didn't. I wanted a really simple life. I'd been working in fashion, um, so I went and worked as an a, um, an assistant in an investment bank. And I was like, I just want to get paid and just work nine to five. And I realized, like, in my sort of around 33, 34, I was like, wait, I used to be so creative. What happened? And I started to miss that creative side of myself and wanted to explore that and started to realize like this life that I've created, which is safe and I'm earning good money, but it's not really like my soul's expression isn't really fitting me. And I, I I have a starting to get this feeling of like, I want to do something else, but I don't know what it is. So I left London and went traveling and my travels were really about me um, discovering like myself and what I'm here for. And I knew that I wasn't going to find that in London. Mm. And 
I was still, even in those travels, I feel that I was still burnt out. Like I, I didn't have, I was traveling, I was like meeting shamans and traveling with them. I was, I was in India with gurus. I was studying yoga and like, I went to a mystery school in Guatemala and studied like esoteric arts. And like, I was doing all these amazing things and traveling around and I was still burnt out. Like I was still exhausted a lot. And it wasn't until I, I like studied Tantra and then Kundalini Yoga and then found feminine embodiment that I started to get my vitality back once I started working with my sexual energy. I was like, oh, I was burnt out all that time. I didn't realize like that's actually what had happened to me. I just thought somehow I was just always tired. I just didn't know that that had been the thing or that I couldn't connect with my desire. Like I didn't realize that that was what was going on until after I'd moved through it like years and years later. Yeah. But yeah, those travels like really opened my eyes to a lot of things that I had no concept of before. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that, that I feel like was one of the, the wisest things I ever did was realize that I didn't know what I didn't know and that I wasn't going to find it where I was. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so many concepts and questions that come from that. Thank you so much for sharing your, your story with us. I, I think it's so powerful and helpful to share these things because mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people believe that they're alone in this. And I think that, you know, burnout exhaustion can be a really isolating thing where you think, God, I should be able to do this. I should be fine. You know, I I go to sleep at night and maybe I'll get quite enough, but you know, I've, I'm going to this retreat and I'm doing this and I should be, you know, Zen and perfect yet. That's not the case because it's an inside job, right? So it takes actually, you know, resolving a lot within and aligning. So first off, because you're a feminine embodiment coach, but also coach people around burnouts and getting out of the, the grind and all of that. How would you define burnout? Because that's another one, kind of like embodiment, where there's a lot of different ways and it's kind of a, a, a commonly used term. But what do you think it actually means? I think burnout is, or I feel burnout is basically like <clears throat> it's the it happens when the life force is depleted. Um, so when, when you, and it happens through, I feel like the hustle energy of the, the constant striving for um, things outside of self and that, and it's the, and it occurs because of a disconnection from the body. So when you're in hustle energy, like I, you know, I mentioned earlier, right. I was like going after all these things. I was so disconnected from my body. I didn't notice when I was tired or if I noticed that I was tired, I didn't care because I was like, I have to keep going. So I was really driven by that guilt, which is the the good girl guilt that I talk a lot about as well. So burnout is disconnection from the body. It's disconnection from the from presence. It's disconnection from the now. It's disconnection from feeling. It's disconnection from the feminine. It's basically the idea um, that creates burnout is that that you are not worthy, valuable as you are. That 
it's all that other things outside of you is what makes you valid. And, um, and it's disconnection from the feminine because it's like the beingness is not as valued as the doingness, right? It's like all about achievement, success, goal orientation. And it's utilizing one's sexual energy, which is our life force, um, it's almost not utilizing it. It's like depleting it. It's not understanding how to circulate it, how to move with it, how to, how to use, how to self-source from within our energy. So it's like depleting it through um, basically not being able to hold pleasure, right? So one of the main ways we can deplete our, um, like for instance, men, right, deplete life force through ejaculation. So when a man learns how to separate ejaculation from orgasm, then he could learn how to do semen retention. Now I'm going off in a wild, wild side note, but like, but I like is- it. I, I like, yeah, I kind of <laughs> want to go into that because that's a concept that I've, I've, and it's related to Tantra, correct? Mm-hmm. I think what yeah. you just said, most people would say isn't possible to have an orgasm for a male without ejaculation. That would be convenient for a lot of people <laughs> what they don't want to get pregnant or something, yeah. but also for, for con- conserving the life force for men is also important. So yeah. would you mind if we could go in a little bit of a tangent yeah. about that? Cause that's an interesting concept. Yeah. So actually my, it's, my husband does this. Um, and he, t- he, if anyone's interested, go check out Mantak Chia. Um, he has like a, a bunch of, he has a book called the multi-orgasmic man. My husband, before we met, he started, he read this book and actually taught himself. It, he's extremely dedicated. So I think it's not a normal thing that people just teach themselves these practices. Like usually there's lots of other support that you can get around that. Um, if that's something you're interested in, but when we met, we were both, um, individually doing like learning how to circulate sexual energy. I was learning how to do that also. Cause as women, we can be, um, you know, we can orgasm from every part of our body and energy. It doesn't just have to be clitoral or cervical or G-spot, right? Like you can orgasm from your, from your little pinky finger if you want to, you know, like when you, the more that you learn to circulate your energy, the more orgasmic you become. So we were both on this journey. And for men, what it does is I, I remember when I didn't know this, but when we first met, neither of us were doing these practices and there wasn't really any chemistry between us. And then at some point, um, he started doing these practices and I started doing these practices. And I remember one day seeing him and just being like, what has happened to him? Like, <laughs> like there is something different about him. Like, hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> because what it does is it makes your energy so much more potent. Like a man who's who's able to circulate his sexual energy and become multi-orgasmic and not be ejaculating out all his life force, his masculine energy becomes so potent and powerful. And it's and it's like then also orgasm is the most um, powerful manifestation we, tool we have. So if you can be multi-orgasmic, that's like multi-manifestation powers times a gazillion. So, yeah, so it's, it's really, really um, powerful and potent um, work to do. And it's, it's, it's all around like um, 
breath, like breath is a big part of it, but it's also like really being present with the body. Again, it's like embodiment, you know, it's like noticing like where, what, what's the point at which that energy is building to the place where it's almost on the edge and then being able to breathe that energy up and continue to circulate it. So it requires a lot of presence and it requires a lot of, um, connection to self. So it's like a very, um, at first, very meditative, uh, meditative, um, practice. And then, you know, like anything, the more that you practice, the easier and easier it becomes. Yeah. I feel like every man should learn to do this, honestly, especially (laughs) with the way the world is going right now. So yeah, really. Right. Like if you, then if you're, you know, if you want to have that sensual connection, then you know, do it without the ejaculation part. That'll, that'll save us all a headache. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, definitely. wow. But I mean, how long does that take for somebody to develop that ability? Uh, I think it depends. I think from my husband, it took him maybe like six months on his own. Um, and what but, kind of work is that? Is it like, is it when he's like engaging sexually or is it just like, is it meditative? Is it just how do you get your sexual energy going if you're not having sex? Yeah. Well, I guess it's like, yeah. So the way he practiced it was through self-pleasure. So that would be, yeah. And that's how as women also, you can practice it with self-pleasure of edging, right? Like taking yourself almost to the point of orgasm and then like breathing the energy through your system so that you're, you're, and then what you're doing is this is why I love it so much is you're expanding your capacity to hold pleasure because in our society, it's all about getting it, dissipating it. It's like make the money, spend the money. Um, you know, like get horny, quickly have an orgasm, move that energy on. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. there's very little that we're taught around holding pleasure. And part of becoming multi-orgasmic is expanding your capacity, is being able to hold more pleasure, being able to be in the orgasmic state without feeling the need to like, to just get it out, you know, to just like dissipate it. Mm-hmm. And this completely ties in with like your ability to hold pleasure in other ways, like your ability to feel good in your body, your ability to hold money and wealth, right? Your ability to have beautiful, deep connections and friendships, your ability to um, do anything, like have a beautiful life. Because if we can't hold pleasure, then we can't, we can't, create what we ultimately want. Because for me, pleasure isn't just about sexual pleasure. Pleasure is like about being open and receptive and able to hold the richness and abundance of the whole life experience, which is love, which is connection, which is money, which is opportunity, which is experiences, which is also, you know, the pleasure of the body. Yeah. Wow. Sophia, when you just said this, I just had this image of how all these things are kind of interconnected. And it, to me, it all kind of ties back to why we don't experience pleasure is because so many of we're so impatient in our country, in our culture, in the world. And because every little thing, just as you said, we don't experience pleasure because we're waiting for the next thing, just like orgasming. Most of us will have like that quick, you know, session where we, you know, the, the objective is let's come as fast as possible because we want to get to the good part. So then we, you know, we see how fast we can get to 
coming and orgasming, climaxing. And then we're like, okay, cool. Now we can move on. But my friend described it once as um, she's in, she does practices Tantra as well and did with the past partner. And she said, yeah, after you go there, you, you can't go back. She's like, I could never be with a partner now who's not into Tantra. And I said, well, why? And she's like, well, if you got used to like a 12 course meal, would you go back to having a Lunchable? And <laughs> so I laugh, but, and, but the thing is though, Lunchables are tasty. Like they're good. They're yummy. You can eat one and be like, that was good. So I feel like that ties into why people will kind of not explore further. They're like, oh, okay, I can get my Lunchable and then I'll move on. And they're not willing to take that time, have that patience to say, well, what goes beyond, what's beyond this door of the Lunchable? Like what is the, you know, extents of pleasure in all realms, you know, cause just as you said, when I saw that sort of web of everything tied together, it's not just sex. It's being able to sit in your home and, and take in the pleasure of, I have a sanctuary. This is my, I can feel, you know, the, the comfort and the, you know, the essence of this home, this space that is mine. I can go and be with my partner and just feel the love and not be waiting for what's the next thing we're going to do. Are we going to a movie? Are we going to have dinner and, and, and sitting with food, right? So many people, it, it's our culture is so a part of like doing things as fast as possible where most people don't even know what they're eating a lot of the times. Like they will just eat whatever is in front of them. But yeah. there's so much pleasure to be de- derived from eating, from drinking, from listening to music, whatever, dancing, all these things. But most of us just try and kind of fast forward because we're looking for the next thing. So, you know, in a way, it seems like any activity you can use Tantra to kind of mm. draw out the energy of that moment of that pleasure and be more present rather than just rushing through it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it, I, I feel like what you're speaking into is the gratitude and that's the piece that, um, that is really brings it together is like being able to have the gratitude and really be anchored in the gratitude for what you have already and have the desire to experience more, right? The desire, like my one of my biggest values is expansion. And that means that I have a large desire and a large capacity for more. But and and I think that that's why I also got caught up in all that hustle because I didn't know how to hold at that point in my life gratitude for what I had and desire for more. Once you are able to hold gratitude for what you have and desire for more, that's when you're operating in a space of abundance. That's what because you already feel abundant, and then you're like, well, what 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 other juiciness is there? What else can I add to this delicious right? The cherry or the ice on on the cake is like being able to hold those two things. They're not mutually exclusive. They really go together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's wild because Sophia, there's, uh, I read in a book once that basically said that what you just described, being able to hold abundance, but also be like always working from desire to create is basically the essence of source, of God, of creation. Anything that ever has come to be started with a desire. You know, source itself continues to create itself anew because of desire. It wants to see what would this experience be like? What would this creation feel like? You know, the universe is constantly growing and expanding itself because it wants, it's because of desire. You know, if you break it down, that's what it is. So 
I think that's important to, to designate because we do often give desire kind of a negative connotation, like, oh, you're just always wanting more and you just you're you just want you just desire all this stuff, but you don't actually appreciate it. But that's where it comes back to the gratitude and holding abundance and saying, I love what I've created and what I have. And I would love to see what this next expansion would feel like. And and that's really truly being embodied and you know connected because then you're in that beautiful dance of life, which is, you know, kind of that breathing in and out, enjoying what you have and then expanding a little more and then breathing mm. it back in. So yeah, just this is all kind of bringing me back to sort of the that cycle of life, the essence of source and how when humans learn to practice that more, again, it changes our whole experience of life. It makes it way better, you know? It really does. It, it moves from it being, because <laughs> most people will tell you that life is a struggle. Life is mm. a bitch, life sucks, life's a struggle, most people aren't like, damn, this is good. This feels good. This is exciting. This is fulfilling. Unfortunately, that is much more the minority of people's experiences. But I, I firmly believe, as I believe you do, and other women that I find I gravitate towards and connect with, not coincidentally, it's all synchronicity. We have this vision and this knowing that life can be much more joyous and enjoyable and you know sensational and you know, sacred and all of these things that we've really lost touch with, mm -hmm. you know, and we've lost touch with it because of all the things we've just described, which is our impatient, you know, consumer culture. That's just wanting, wanting, wanting things outside of ourselves. where the greatest richness is always right here. We don't even need a dang thing to get mm -hmm. it. Just learning how, how do we access it? And that's what it sounds like you're describing with something like Tantra, with working with your energies, because those are not outside of you. Those are within you, around you. They're right yeah. there and they don't cost a thing. Except That's for maybe, right. you know, some time. Time is valuable, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's like if you're, you know, if you're listening and you're like, well, that's fine for you to say, but I don't have that much to be grateful <laughs> yeah. for. Like, yeah, I, I think that you. there's always something, you know, it, it, even just... If it's like right now I'm looking, I have a window in front of me and I can see like a beautiful blue sky outside and this bird that's like mm. flying all around. Like that's something to be grateful for. That just find, even if it's just the tiniest little thing, you know, the more that you can that you can focus on those things that you're grateful for and then build on that. I always feel like that's such a, it's, it's so, it's makes it so much easier than trying to look at all the things that you perceive to be wrong and fix them. Like, because then all your focus is on what's wrong. If we want to, like what we focus on is what we create, right? Like yeah. If you want focus on what you want, then what you want grows. So if you're focused on what you feel grateful for, then that grows it. It doesn't mean that you don't, you then, like one of the biggest fears I had, which kept me from ever feeling satisfied was, I was like, if I feel grateful, then I'll stop um, going for more. Like I'll you'll just- lose your motivation. You won't care. You, you'll, yeah. lose, you know, that, that drive. Yeah, I'll just settle. I'll settle for mediocre. And what I've learned is like that's not true. You know, it's like yeah. it's it's it, it. Then you're creating from love instead of fear. Because when I was like, I needed this stick to motivate me. I was always creating from fear, fear of being mediocre. Now I create from a space of love, the love of expansion. And I think that that like making that shift 
is if there's anything that you can do is like this the biggest thing that's really going to support you in moving forward in your journey and creating the life that you really, really are longing for and honestly deserve to have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such an important distinction and, you know, it, it explains it perfectly is that it's that difference between fear and love for motivation. I can't tell you how many clients have told me, well, I don't want to lose my anxiety. If I had no anxiety, I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't, I'd I'd lose that drive. I would lose that determination. I would, I would get lazy. And I try to explain that, that it's, well, fear that's, that's motivation from fear, but fear is not the greatest motivator. It can seem like it because like you said, it's that stick, but the greatest motivator is love because then there's no fear and we don't know any limits. And if there's no limits, where can you go? Fear will only ever lead you down the already paved path, right? It's going to say like, well, I need to be successful this way, the way that person did it. I have to do it that way, just like they did, just like society tells me to do. So I got to push down through with fear, with anxiety, this paved way. But when you're in love, you don't see limits. You don't see the paved road anymore. You're like, I'm kind of like the, um, the fool card in tarot. I just thought of where the fool is like, I see my own path and I have no fears and I don't give a shit what anyone thinks I'm going to go on this journey because I believe in it. And I am coming from love and not fear. So yeah, that's, it's such a crucial thing to recognize. And again, I think that keeps most of us stuck in these cycles is people are scared to let go of their anxiety and their fear. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. It's worth it. I know. I know. It's so great. So so that must be, I imagine that's something you work with, with your clients. So when you're coaching someone and they're stuck, maybe they come to see you because they feel like they're on this burnout route and they're gonna, you know, they're fading and they're stuck in the hustle. What do you kind of share with them to kind of move them into that first stage of, you know, embodiment and realizing it doesn't have to be this way? Yeah, I love that. So the first thing that we do is we look at like what they actually want to create. And sometimes that could be as simple as looking at, because often people know really what they don't want. They're like, well, I don't want this. I don't want that. And sometimes it can be as simple as going, okay, well, what's the opposite of that thing? And that is the thing that you do want. So if you don't want, like, I don't want to I don't want to hustle and I don't want to feel like exhausted all the time. Okay. So you do want to feel nourished and you do want to feel creative, you know? So we, the first step is like discovering what it is that they actually do want. And then, um, something that I've just started incorporating with my clients, which I'm so excited about is NLP practices because I really, and specifically timeline therapy, which is something that I just recently experienced. And I was like, oh my God, this is like literally changing my life and I have to learn this. So I went and studied it and now I'm, now I can incorporate this with my clients, but basically going to the root cause of whatever the limiting decision is that has created this belief system that they've been running with and dissolving it at the root so that it's no longer running their program. And once those things are dissolved, then it's like a whole new world of possibilities opens. So we start with those foundational pieces and then bring in the feminine embodiment stuff, like the, you know, like practices to be more connected into the body, to feel more pleasure, feel more desire, connect with intuition that then like juice up the system and increase the vitality and the radiance and the creativity so that that there's those tools there to support creating that new life. Yeah. 
Yeah. So beautiful. And that to me, what you just described is the experience of freedom. You know, that's why I believe so much in healing work, both whether it's, you know, therapy, which can be a tool, but kind of the beginnings where you just sort of speak, but then there's more ways to really get to just, you said to the root, cause you more, the more you get to the root, you truly free yourself from the things that you've been tied to chained to your whole life. And there's nothing like that freedom where something that kind of had a hold on you, lets you go. And you realize, oh my gosh, I don't have to be tied to these ideas, to these false beliefs. And it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. Would you mind sharing what NLP means for those of us who don't know? Sure. So NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. And the technique that I was referring to is called Timeline Therapy Technique. So it's not all NLP involves timeline therapy technique, but neuro-linguistic programming is basically the language that we use with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the the philosophy of, of NLP is very in alignment with a lot of what we've talked about today, which is that everything is stored in the body. So all your beliefs, all your emotions, you know, all are all there in the cells. They're all in the tissue. So it's the process of of um, reprogramming, rewiring the, those the um, those beliefs and and sh- and the experience that you're having. So you're liberating old stuck emotions. You're liberating energy from the body. You're liberating these old beliefs and replacing them with new ones that actually serve you. So it's kind of like rewiring, repatterning your whole neurology, which is throughout your entire cellular system. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But it is possible. And that's something I always encourage with my clients is, listen, I know it feels so ingrained in there. It feels super programmed, like it's never going to change. But we got there by developing these neuro pathways and you can change them. can take time, mm-hmm. but you can change them just as you created them. So that's that's really encouraging and, and such incredible work. And it truly is that that liberation is the best feeling ever. And it sounds like you've gotten to experience some of that yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I re- I highly recommend it to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So another, you're kind of talking about that once you kind of get that out of the way, then you, that's when sort of the embodiment comes in the radiance that really cultivating that energy. Um, so there's a few things that I'm, I'm curious about. We did talk about Tantra, but I think another barrier for a lot of people is feeling comfortable with their own body. And mm. so Tantra is sort of the energy, but then there's also the hurdle of how do we embrace our physical selves? Because, you know, physicality is real in this lifetime, right? We are within this body while we're here on earth. And though, you know, energy is everything and it's the most powerful thing, we still want to utilize and use our beautiful bodies and learn how to embrace them. So you also help women with that, right? Is that in, in you know, evolving that sacred sexuality, sacred sex even, you know, and sort of that like body-based um, acceptance and embrace. So how did you learn to get into that? Cause I know that every, okay. So everyone needs to follow you on Instagram because you have fat, fabulous reels and you have videos of like your, your movements and your dancing. Every time I see it, I just want to get down on the ground and start moving. Cause it looks like it feels so good. Cause it does, you know, it's the best feeling where you're just like, dang, this is my body and I can move it and I can, and it's okay. 
to be sexual and to be sensual and to embrace that. You know, that's another mixed messaging that women have gotten for so long, which is, well, be desirable, but don't be too seductive. And like, well, be sexy, but don't be too, you know, like slutty or whatever it is. But the truth is that nothing is, you know, off limits and nothing is bad in terms of your sexuality as long as it's coming from your genuine, you know, self and energy. So again, how do you, how did you kind of get into that? Did you always like feel comfortable in your body and sexually or did it? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Most of us don't start that way. No. <laughs> yeah. I really feel that we, it's often like the greatest struggles that we've been through are the things that become like our most powerful teachings and the way that we can really support others. And I, and I, and I believe that this is so for me because I, like when I was in my early twenties, in fact, my entire first marriage, I really would say like, I would rather read a book than have sex. Cause I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't, I wasn't, it wasn't orgasmic at all. I thought, oh, maybe I'm just like frigid. Maybe I just don't like sex. Like, you know, whatever it was that I, the, that I told myself was the reason why. Um, and I grew up also having, like, I got my um, my first moon, my period, really young. And that started, I feel like, the disconnection from my body mm-hmm. and pleasure and sexuality and sensuality. And, you know, just grew up with so much shame around, like, I just felt so uncomfortable, so awkward about talking about sex or thinking about sex or being sexy or dancing or it was just I was so in my head about everything um and that didn't that what really shifted it for me that really allowed me to start changing that relationship was first of all when I was traveling I met this Colombian girl who had connections to a lot of shamans um, in Colombia and South America and she introduced me to switching up my um, my languaging around my my bleed. Like she she called it her moon. She's like, oh, in the in the shamanic cultures, we call it the moon, and and because it's related to the moon cycles. And she kind of started talking to me about like giving my blood to the earth and making that connection with Mother Nature and about the power of like the bleed and what and the the spiritual connection um, of being in that bleed space and how our auric field opens and we become such like our channel opens and you know where the veil is so thin at that time between us and and source and spirit so she kind of introduced me to that and that was this beginning of my reconnection to that part of myself to my body to being what it is to be a woman and to sexuality right because part of the that is part of sexuality is our connection to our menstrual cycle it's literally like the you know our reproductive system so um it's not just like our sexuality isn't just orgasm right it's like all parts of what it means to be a woman for feminine sexuality and then when I uh, started exploring tantra and then 
that really also helped me start to unravel some of those pieces of shame that I carried around sexuality and this idea that it's either you're either this sort of the the Madonna whore right it's like the the angel or the or the seductress like that you can be both and both can be welcome Mm -hmm. um and then finally, the more of the feminine embodiment was there where I started to explore what is what what feels pleasurable, like how does it feel pleasurable to move in my body? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what now where I can, yeah, like I dance and I move and it feels so good in my body. And I look at it and I can see it that it looks, I feel like it also looks beautiful, but it's because it's my experience of inside my body. And so I think, yeah, there are a lot of pieces in our world around what is considered to be beautiful, but I feel like that's so subjective because every culture has different ideas of beauty. So I actually think if you feel beautiful, then that's what you find to be reflected in the world. If you feel you know, not good enough, then that is reflected to you in your world. So, yeah, I hope that answers the question. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. And that's what I found so powerful about getting more in touch with my body. Cause I've struggled a lot with body image and, and eating disorders and such throughout my life. And there was always this very black and white, like this body type is good and this is bad. And this is this, I need to be afraid of. This is something that is, you know, if I was too big or anything, it was like, this is not good. But then I came to kind of realize, well, I have two choices whenever maybe I feel a little bit like uncomfortable. Maybe I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I'm okay with this size or my weight change. And I'm, you know, because of, again, that messaging and hit, you know, you repeat just what we were talking about, like our neural pathways. If you repeat an idea over and over, you're going to kind of get it lodged in there. And the thing that really helped me is, you know, when I was at a larger size, I would say, you know what, this is where I am right now. And being in the moment, it was like, so I would, I would get naked and I would dance in front of a mirror and be like, this is my body. And what do I love about it? And what feels good about it? And let's acknowledge also that like, I can still move and I have a body and that's an amazing thing. So that was a real turning point for me to say, you know what, no matter how I perceive I look, there's always this glorious beauty, no matter what size, what look, what appearance, there's always celebration to be had with our bodies. Yeah. And I think like, you know, I've been bigger and I've been smaller and I also went through a lot of stuff around body image and body dysmorphia and like eating, disordered eating and all that stuff as well. And I think that it's, again, it comes back to that fear or love motivation. Like when I really realized, I was like, wow, I've been like trying to, sort of make my body into something from this place of fear of like, I don't want to be fat or I don't want to be this or, you know, rather than love. And I was like, if this was a child, like if my body was a child and I spoke to my child, like I speak to my body, how would this child grow? And that was such a huge realization because I was like, wow, I've been so mean to my body and look, it's still carrying me around. She's still working ish, you know, like, like what, what could she do if I loved her? Like what would be possible for her if I spoke to her with love? So I started speaking to my body with love. I started touching her with love Mm -hmm. and that like my whole body changed actually, like just by doing that. And I think that we all have 
um, you know, there is, there is health and there is, there's, it's a, I feel now it's about like what, where is the space where I feel like the most healthy, the most vibrant, the most like aligned within my body? What's, what's the right, um, physiology for my body, right? Because there's a different, there's being able to feel, you know, beautiful at whatever our size. And then there's also like, what is the most healthy and what, what allows me to live a a life and not be starving myself Mm -hmm. and also feel really vibrant in my body and finding that balance. And I think when it's coming from that space of love, then it's easier to to realize and and to know and discover what that is because it's no longer clouded by these other aspects. Absolutely. And that's so beautifully said, Sophia. And it's, I, you know, I think it's so important for so many women to hear because I think most of us go through that where we're, you know, we fight to get what we think we should look like, we should have. And, you know, just as you said that you realize how do I talk to my body? You know, how am I treating it? And it really is this crazy thing of, you know, you think about if you had like a horse that you just like, you know, just rode and just, you know, made it do all this arduous work and everything for you, but you were mean to it at the end of the day, like, how do you expect it to thrive and flourish? And that's exactly as you described, it's what we do to our bodies. You know, we put it through so much every day and you, you know, logically it's like, oh my gosh, we should worship and love our bodies. They're so good to us. They do everything for us just to keep us alive. But we berate them and we insult them and we criticize them. And we tell them like, I don't like you. I don't like how you look. I I want you to change. And we try to force it. And when that, so when that shift happens, as you said, to me, it's like this opening up of like, Hey, I'm just going to embrace and love my body because it's so incredible. And then that relationship changes. But I think what's also another part that's super important is to start listening to our bodies which most of us don't do because as you described, I did the same thing for years where it was like, no, I have a number in my head and that's what I want to be. And I need to keep it there. But my body was trying to tell me, no, I don't feel vivacious at that weight. I don't feel energized. I feel tired. I don't feel that I'm, you know, getting the sustenance and the nourishment that I need, but I would fight it. And I would say, yeah, you are. You're fine. You're fine. And for years and that battle is exhausting. It's Mm -hmm. exhausting. And your body It won't fight you, but it will always try to kind of go back to where it knows it needs to be because our body is intuitive, just like our soul, you know, just like so many things. And that, you know, when we let go of that fight, it's like we fall right into where we're meant to be. And I too have kind of reached that point where it's like, when I stay in this place, it's, it's the most sustainable, you know, because I've been, it's weight, weight where it wasn't sustainable. It was again, a constant battle. So I think that, you know, loving and speaking kindly to your body and listening to your body is so important and something that we don't, you know, really value much. Many of us in our society, we're really kind of taught, like, you know, do what you want to your body, you know, push it and force it. And, but that's not a very, as you spoke, not a very nice way to treat a, another, a creature, a child, whatever you want to think of it as, because that's what it is. It is a, we don't own our bodies. That was a concept I heard once that really hit me hard was, you know, we think that we own things. Humans are very big into ownership. Well, I own this home. This is mine. You know, it's not yours. It's mine. Well, who says like, you can't, you know, kind of cut and have parameters around the universe, right? It's all energy. Everything's connected, but we're very into ownership. The same with our bodies. Our body is on, you know, it's, it's, we're borrowing it, you know, we're stewards of our bodies. And then it returns back 
to the universe. So mm. not seeing it as like, well, this is my body so I can do whatever I want. It's like, how, how can I work with my body to be in the most harmonious, loving connection with it? Mm, I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's yeah. like living inside the vessel that you've been gifted yeah. in this life. And respecting that vessel because it's so mm-hmm. amazing and it truly is carrying really? us through this life. So why would we treat it so badly? And it's not only just with you know people who struggle with body image, it's the way that we feed it. It's the way that we deprive it. It's the way that we push it, push it, push it, burnout, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, I definitely want to clarify that, you know, I spent so many years doing, having that battle and I still struggle at times. So I'm not saying this as if it's like, you know, sort of a whimsical, like, Oh, just get in touch with your body. It does take time and relearning. It takes patience. It takes c- compassion with yourself. You know, we're all going to have times where we do kind of want to exert force over our bodies, but I feel like all this kind of goes back to, we can try to force things and be impatient, but just like you said, what you ask your clients, what do you want? What is it that you want? Because that's what it comes down to. Like, do you want to be exhausted? Do you want to fight your body? Most people would say, gosh, I would just love to end all of this fighting and this discontent and this insecurity. So once we ask what we want, then we have to say, well, what would it take to get there? What would you have to let go of to get there? And And it sounds like for you, Sophia, and I know for me, that's when the change really happened. When I hit my bottom too, it was like, I I can't keep going this way and get the life that I truly want. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. So I had to let go of the things that I thought I wanted and the way that I thought I had to do them. Yeah, I love that. It's about being flexible. Yes. I think it's when we learn to have like that connection, you know, connection to ourselves, connection to source and stop trying to do it all ourselves. Like, I think that's one of the biggest things of hustle is like thinking you've got, there's only one way to do it and you've got to do it all. You don't have to do it all. Like let the God source universe, spirit, whatever your higher self, whatever you want to call it, like let that energy help you, support you, guide you, like give it up. And like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) Please help me. And then, and then you receive the guidance and then you take the action on the guidance. So let it be a co-creation. Yes. That is, that's so beautiful. You're bringing up so many profound points. And I, what you just said brought to mind recently, I I had a, a card, an Oracle card drawn for me that said, give your, any father concerns or father issues to heaven. Mm -hmm. And something about that just hit me because I think anybody who struggles with, you know, a parental relationship or parental issues, whether it's your mother or your father, you know, that's, that's a really strong thing. It could, cause it could go back to past lives. It could be from this life. And just as you said, most of us have the mentality of, okay, well, I have to fix this. What can I have to do at all? I have to figure out how to mend this. But seeing that card felt like permission to say, oh, I can just give it away. Maybe all resolving a parental issue, whether it's, you know, father connection is just giving away and saying, I don't want to hold this hurt anymore. And I don't want to hold this sense of responsibility to fix it. I can just, you know, give it to, to heaven, to source, to spirit. Mm-hmm. And you can do that with anything, you know, because yeah. it is, it, it can be, a, it is a collaborative thing. You know, we do our own work yet. There's also a lot, we're never alone. You know, I'm a big believer in having, we have you know, guide spirits around us. We have our ancestors. They're all kind of rooting for us and they're there. We, you know, we, we struggle with believing in things that we can't see, 
you know, and, and I definitely have my moments where I'm feeling depressed and frustrated. I'm like, where are you now? Like, who's helping me out here? But then, you know, when I'm able to kind of get more grounded, I can sense it more and I can see their work is very subtle because I think those, the essences in the spiritual realm know that they're not like us. They're not about the quick fix, right? They have lots of patience. So they know that most things happen slow and steady and very gently. And I think that's what is important to trust when we're feeling this sense of, you know, again, responsibility, obligation to fix everything ourselves is how can I kind of release that and trust in timing and in, you know, spirit and source energy to guide me and help me lift this weight. Yeah. Yeah. And to guide you and help you. And then you take the action. <laughs> right. Yeah. So again, it's that collaborative work. Yeah. You know, we can't just like lie in bed and be like, oh, okay, great. You can fix all this. Cool. I'm yeah, I'll just, I'll just be here chilling until you've done it. No. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. They're like, um, well, actually, okay. I'm going to tell you what to do, but are you going to do it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. The other part of it. Absolutely. That reminds me of this story, like this little quote that's, um, or story that says this guy was like lost at sea and he was like god if you're there like help me and a boat comes by and they're like hey do you need help and he's like oh no no like god's gonna save me and then like he drifts like past like you know a shore and they're like hey come ashore he's like no god anyways the point is that eventually you know source spoke to him was like i've given you like 10 resources but you turn them all away so you know we're often offered things but we say like oh no i you know i don't want to have to do that because i'm just going to naturally be saved. But it does. It, it's, it is this interesting, you know, symbiotic relationship that we have where yeah. we'll be given the inspiration, we'll be given the guidance, but we are the ones with the two feet that have to walk towards it. But, there, but you know, it does cause that balance of we also don't want to go full speed ahead and sprint like, oh, well, I can solve all these issues in like five minutes. It's like, no, yeah. you know, and I think that's where the importance of a coach comes in. That's why mm-hmm. someone like you can be so valuable because we all need a little bit of help on figuring out what is the balance between accepting things as they are, but also working towards and creating what you want in a healthy way. Again, that you know abundance and desire that we talked about earlier. So all of this is about kind of creating balance and embodiment. So again, it's wonderful that there's coaches like you because it can feel overwhelming. <laughs> Definitely. And I think that it's, it is a bit of that case of you don't know what you don't know. Like sometimes, I mean, for me in my journey, I found it so helpful to have support um, from coaches and all all different kinds of, you know, healers. And I, I, like I've done, if there's a healing modality, I've just about tried it. Yeah. I'll take any, I'll try anything. Yeah. I'm like, oh, sign me up. But that having that support, the someone to give you that perspective, you know, because yeah. it's when you're, this is the thing, I think that when we're in the middle of something, it's very difficult for us to see, to get the perspective. And it's only once we have the perspective that we get to extract the lesson. And when we extract the lesson or the gift, then we can close that karmic loop and, and move forward. So that's why I feel like having support is so it's it it's not you don't have to have it but it will 100% speed up your your journey um because you'll just be able to more quickly get to like what the learnings are close the karmic loops and and move forward and for me i feel like 
that's something that, you know, while also navigating having the gentleness with self, you know, and the patience and and learning to trust my own inner guidance and not have to have everything happen right now in this moment, there also is value in not staying stuck in the in those in those places where wow. it, if we just allowed ourselves to be supported, which is also part of um, learning to receive, you know, is learning to receive support, is is learning to to be able to to be vulnerable and open and allow ourselves to receive support is also how we allow ourselves to receive more abundance. So I feel like they all tie in really beautifully with each other and lead to us having more of the delicious, yummy life that we always wanted. Yes, definitely, (laughs) which we all deserve and can enjoy. And what you (laughs) described reminds me so much of like the ebb and flow of life. Like, Like they say, let there be separation in your togetherness. When people refer to you know, romantic relationships where, you know, there's so much joy in coming together with your partner, but there also needs to be time for separation because just as you spoke to, we learn from the connection, but we also learn from the, you know, disconnect where we're with ourselves, where we have that space for reflection. So there's always a time for solitude and a time for joining together. And I'm right with you where I've, I've learned so much in both ways, but the harder part for me was to learn how to be with others and, learn in that capacity. Cause it's, I, I, you know, as many of us do had this mentality of, I can do this all on my own. I need to figure this all out. I can, I don't need any resources. And that's the big reason why I became a therapist is because when I was in my twenties, I was like, screw that. I need help. <laughs> I need someone else to get me through this crazy mind that I have. Um, but then also I, I just think of, you know, it really harkens to the notion of community, you know, because when we join together for our own healing, for our own growth, so much can happen. And we've gotten so far from that. You know, we really don't honor community enough. We do kind of have this lone wolf mentality, which again, there's time for solitude, but we need to really bring back more because just as much as you can benefit from like one-on-one individual work, I know that you also do like workshops and stuff where you bring women together and damn, can that ever be powerful? Where you bring a lot of women together and you're like, whoa, (laughs) look at what we can like embrace together, explore together and really grow together in. Yeah. Yeah. The sister healing, the sisterhood wound is one of the biggest pieces and being able to be with other women in a group container is so powerful. I know I've had uh, a lot of women who've been in previous group containers who were so nervous to come into them because they were like, well, I don't want to be vulnerable in front of other women or I don't want to be judged. And then have walked away with like friendships that will last them the rest of their lives and really healed those pieces in those containers. And, and that is also part of like the support network, you know, having that that close sisterhood. I just, I love my sisterhood. I can't, I could not like do it. And I'm just like, yes. Oh, it's so good to have like beautiful, you know, like powerful, amazing women in my life as friends who I feel like I really learned so much from who I, who, where it's like a mutually supportive, expansive kind of place to be. I, I wish that for every single woman. Yes, absolutely. Me too. And and more and more of that is needed. And it's going to happen because we we truly are experiencing this 
return of the feminine of the divine, which is it's because it, it, it needs to come out. It's time and it can't be held back. And that when women gather together, it's, it magnifies and accelerates that return. Because again, we recognize we can embrace one another. We can feel this mobilizing and really combining our energies and it's producing something incredible that's been so lost in this world. Yeah. You know, the feminine is just waiting to, to really just explode back into the scene. It's been gone and a world can't work without it. And that's why our world isn't really working. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Whoa. So Sophia, this has been such an amazing conversation. And if somebody would like to work with you or join one of your groups and find you on Instagram, where, how can they find you? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at Sophia underscore Lee, L-E underscore page. Um, or you can go to my website, sophialepage.com. And there you will find links to everything. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm sometimes on YouTube, not very often there. Um, but you also on my website, there's all the links to um, like little freebies that I have or self-study options, um, how you can work with me one-to-one. And also there will be whenever I have a group offering running that's live, you'll find more information about it there. And I love conversations in the DMs. So please do send me a message. Let me know that you listened. Tell me what was like really stood out to you about this conversation. And yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Whitney. This has been such a great You are so welcome. I'm so glad we were introduced, Sophia, by the lovely Amanda Monier, who also Mm -hmm. had you on her podcast and is another fabulous woman in in the tribe. So yeah, it's so so cool to watch all of us get connected because again, it's that synchronicity. People are, we're looking for each other and we're finding each other more and more. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.